I would like to see the baby. Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. Uh, it's me, your boy, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon. With me today is we got a returner. Yeah, Mark is back. Jason, I am Ben Young. Andrew's also back. I'm Bill Jarvis. And that's right, we got the Mark boy back. Finally, his work schedule has allowed him to grace us with his presence. So here he is. Uh, this is our Mandalorian Part 2 episode, or I should just say this is our Mandalorian episode. Um, a lot has changed since those <laughs> first three that we watched and did a podcast on. So Definitely. We're going to dive into it today. Um, I don't even, should I even go back into who made the Mandalorian again? No, it it's feels fine. redundant at this point. Oh, it's yeah, it's, it's Feige, we're not, we're it's... Episode by episode. No, right? no, definitely yeah. not. Colin, not at all. you know I'm a continuity freak, so can we like start this podcast the exact same way we ended the last podcast, like seamlessly? Mm. Mm, I don't that's up to Andrew. I don't think like I Pink can. Floyd. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't this where edit in a cliffhanger. we came in? Yeah, <laughs> I would have to edit in a cliffhanger. Um. Oh man, what was it back in November that we recorded the last episode? I don't even remember. Yeah, no, it was November. So we're out there. Yeah. Um, a lot has changed. This uh, show has definitely taken off in a direction I didn't think it was going to go in. But um, a lot of speculation, a lot of, uh, I don't know, new developments, interesting developments. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I definitely don't hate it as much as I... I didn't hate it. I don't dislike it as much as I did. Oh. Because in the last cast, you sounded like you liked it. I yeah, mean, a lot. You were you sounded very weary of the uh, Yoda unveiling. We're calling him right. Yodi, like peeking behind the curtain, kind of thing. Yoder, but you, you, <laughs> but you, you sounded like you loved it. All your feedback was really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I liked it, but I, it's not like you know, wasn't great. Like, <laughs> but I, I, at this point, I'm like, yeah, no, this was a good show. Mm-hmm. This is a very good show. I feel like my, my impression overall of the show is holy shit, Dark Saber, but also like, dude, <laughs> dude, let's just pull that one out. Um, but uh, also, I feel like it's become more um, more of a television show to me rather yeah. than uh, a miniseries. Because at the first, like those first three episodes, it really had the feeling of like, oh, this is a cool miniseries that we're gonna, you know, you know, one season and it's over. Mm-hmm. But now it's really obvious, like this is episodic. This is like, yeah. Well, I think we uh, we even touched on that in our part one episode because at that point we had really only seen um, this arc play out, and it was at the time very you know okay, well is this what it's, what it's going to be? It almost was like a feature length film, you know, kind of broken up. Um, because I think if I remember correctly, it was the first two episodes released right, and then they went to the weekly uh, schedule. Yeah. So at at that point, we were kind of giving our impressions. Um, we really hadn't seen what the story would do at that point yet. And I think uh, what we ultimately got, it was kind of interesting because 
they almost went like that, dare I say it, like the Monster of the Week route mm-hmm. with a yeah. few episodes, and then they had another kind of strong arc to finish it out. So mm-hmm. definitely interesting um, to see if that's kind of the way that they approach it in the future, if they decide to stick with uh, the you know format they have as far as length, the amount of episodes per season, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I think it's a good kind of format to have. Yeah, I mean, I like I like the idea of Monster of the Week because you can explore explore diverse topics, and then at the same time, you know, they have what I'm going to call the Baby Yoda arc, and then there's the Mandalorian arc, which are two separate stories in my mind. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can't wait to explore that in the next season. But like, yeah, I, I really love that you can explore different topics, like like yeah, like that um like that space prison was pretty cool to me. Oh, I thought that was really episode. awesome. But yeah. So, so to me, those episodes that happened in between episode three and episode seven, I don't even know. To me, that was them exploring the Star Wars universe as a whole, like that we never get to see in the movies, ever. And Clone Wars does a good job of it, but it, at the end of the day, it's a cartoon. And this is the first live-action Star Wars show, and they really, I think they hit the nail on the head in that aspect. They actually mm-hmm. try to explore this universe that the movies just don't do i don't like how you said that <laughs> it's just a cartoon yes it's just a cartoon. clone wars while mandalorian is good the clone wars is still magnitudes better than than Mandalorian, and a hell of a lot cheaper to make too yeah absolutely like i'm happy we're getting more clone wars and i hope we continue to get more clone wars <laughs> after this because that's all i care about like literally what got me what like what what sent this show from good to great for me was Moff Gideon oh. stabbing the the dark saber out of the Tie Fighter. That did it. I was like, okay, it's a Star Wars show now. Now we're in because the oh. dark saber has some of the coolest lore in the expanded did, universe. Did, did, did I share that meme with you? <laughs> Which one? There's a uh, lot of them. I must not have, but it was uh, the reaction to uh, people who have never seen Clone Wars who have yeah, seen I've Mandalorian seen it, yeah. compared to people who have seen. The Clone Wars when they see the dark saber. No, absolutely. I lost my shit, and I'm watching it with uh, Mark here and with uh, my girlfriend, and they're both just like, "Oh, cool," and I'm just like, "No, it's fucking great." So it's huge, far-reaching implications for the expanded universe they're it's, working yeah. on. It's huge. So the dark saber does make an appearance in Rebels. So sorry for some spoilers there, because I know none of us have watched Rebels. <laughs> no, even I haven't. Um, it does make an appearance, and we see like who has it last as far as where Rebels ends. So the assumption here is that. Because I, I did some reading on, like, I, I wanted to, like, do a refresher on, like, where the Darksaber was by the end of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And, because it's, raise your hand if you know Darksaber lore. I'll read out who raises their hand. I, I only know it because I went online. And <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah, say, I know it literally. in pedigree, but not a okay. lot of. I read a shit ton of it, so nothing's yeah. a spoiler. That's then a... we're going to talk about it. Good. Dissect it. And the Darksaber <laughs> is a, so originally, going back into, like, just production style. What? Mark doesn't know. Oh, he's going to find out. <laughs> hey, welcome to Sci-Fi Cross. Glad you're back, <laughs> bud. It, it's a dangerous show. Originally, I think we touch on the thing that happened for like two seconds in the... It's the ultimate thing. You're going to learn the entire history of it over the last ten years. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. There's not really... I'm not going to spoil it. Because I don't know... Like, I don't know it's lore enough to like be like, and then this small, minute detail happens. Like... Basically, here's all it comes down to, is going back to production first, originally in the Clone Wars, um, the, the, there's a character, his name is uh, 
pre-Visla, I yep. believe. Yes. And uh, pre... Hmm? Not post-Visla. Yeah, no. it's, it's pre-Visla. Mm-hmm. He's going to pre-Visla. Yeah, and he... I really um, preferred him pre-Visla. When, they, when Dave Filoni was designing him, he gave him a vibroblade. And Lucas, who was still involved in everything, um, had said, you know what, actually, can you give him this? It's called a Darksaber. And Dave Filoni's like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. So the lore behind the Darksaber is that it was made by the only Mandalorian Jedi in the history of the Order back in the Old Republic. And he made it, and it became like an artifact for the Jedi, and it was held in their like little, not a really a museum, but kind of a museum. It's like an archive. Archive yeah. hall. And uh, Death Watch, who were a group of Mandalorian separatists became uh sought out this saber because it it became over time over a thousand years it became this story of whoever holds the dark saber has a rightful claim to mandalore and so death watch not trusting in queen satine anymore who we've talked about a bit on this on the podcast um not trusting in her anymore sought out the dark saber and got it and previously tried to claim the throne Eventually, it changes hands. Obviously, the bad guy doesn't win in Star Wars. But uh, it changes hands, so on and so forth, until it does end up back into the hands of... Uh, sorry. Jimmy Joe Salad. A Vizsla. Um, Pre Vizsla is a descendant of, of the creator, as far as I know. But then uh, it does end up back into the hands of like a rightful descendant, and they become the leader of Mandalore during Rebels. And uh, from there, it, it's over. And so this is the this is the other side of the tunnel now. We gotta find out what happened in the tunnel. So right. I'm really excited because, like Moff Gideon was like, "Oh, okay, Giancarlo Esposito, like he's a cool dude." And then he pulled out a dark saber, and it's like, "Oh, all right, he's a really fucking cool dude." I, <laughs> I love this actor so oh, much. Oh, Giancarlo Esposito's yeah. perfect. He's so good, and um, and it's funny. I just wanted to say that. Like you said, it's one of a kind, right? Yes. Like, it is the dark saber. And so when I was watching it at the end, because I had no freaking clue at the end, I was like, oh, it's a black, is that a lightsaber? Is that a vibroblade? I don't know. And then I look up online, and it's this ultimate legendary artifact. And I'm like, oh, okay. And a moth has it? And it means so much more, too, that he, Moff Gideon, knows the Mandalorian's identity. Uh, this just goes to show that Moff Gideon is very tied to Mandalore and its destruction. Like, we learn in the show that the flashbacks that uh, Din has been seeing, the Mandalorian's name, are not the destruction of Mandalore, but the destruction of his own home. But, like, make no mistake, as I'm, I'm worried some viewers might be confused, like, the Empire very much still did raise Mandalore. And so the only way to get your hands on the Darksaber is to, um, at least rightfully, is to kill the wielder in a ritual combat. Mm. You have to challenge them for, for rights to it, and you have to fight them and kill them. And to be honest, I think that's something Moff Gideon would have done. You think so? I think that he seems like the dude who's like, all right, yeah, let's fight. He seems like a no holds barred kind of I don't give a shit kind or, of dude. Right. Or he challenged the or he challenged <clears throat> the Mandalorian to a fight and then just shot him with a blast. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I feel, honestly, I feel like Giancarlo Esposito actually challenged the motherfucker to a, a bare knuckle boxing match. <laughs> Winner gets the fucking dark saber. So fucking cool. But it's great. So he's more than just this like empire like rat. Now he he elevates himself to. 
possibly the destroyer of Mandalore. Like, this dude is, is much more than just some moth. I'm surprised he's not a grand moth. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. I really, I expected a higher rank out of it because mm-hmm. he seems so significant. Well, theoretically, there are no more grand moths if the uh, empire is over. True, but the empire's not over at this point. Obviously, and it's just ending. remnant. It's it's broken apart. Given what I've delved into, I guess the Star Wars expanded universe, even the current standing of it, um, my impression is that the the grand moff title doesn't mean as much when you look at things from a military perspective. Like the admirals do not respect the moths because the well, moths are more of a governmental like appointed position whereas the admirals work their way up the chain kind of thing yeah i mean so they, they tend it's a different thing this guy seems to be more like militaristic in his mindset i guess i don't know i'm not sure on. how heavy it was in the original eu but we do know in the comics at least that when the empire fractured and palpatine was killed um that it was the grand moffs who rose up and kind of took control of various various backup plans, various contingencies. Because I know there's a comic, um... Oh, no, I forget what it's called. It's like a six-issue comic, Star Wars, uh, Empire of Ruin or something. And it's about the, uh, uh, one of the, one of Palpatine's contingencies to, um, unleash a planet-wide storm on Naboo upon his death. Oh, I mean, and, if you're going to go out, go out with a, a bang. Right, exactly. Like, you know, fuck my home planet and all its people, it's going down. Where is my giant mechanical arm while I'm at it? You know. his, his giant crane? He didn't have it yet. Which oh, I love my hoverhound. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had something I wanted to add. So, it was kind of funny because uh, I was listening to our uh, Rise of Skywalker final thought podcast today and i uh i think i mentioned on there that basically the whole month of december for me was like a giant like star wars info dump and i lived on the star wars like fan youtube channels and one of the videos i watched at like four in the morning one saturday was legendary lightsabers so like i watched you know the 20 minute video or whatever someone put together and i recognized pretty much everything from expanded universe stuff and games and whatever but the one thing i didn't recognize was the dark saber so this is before that final episode so that was my introduction to it because obviously i haven't watched all the clone wars and rebels stuff yet so when i saw it i was like man that's really badass so then i delved even deeper into you know like the wikipedia you know articles on what it was what it is the history of it all that so it was kind of cool because i haven't really seen any of the media that it's in but i was familiar with it through all that um and i guess the point i would make on it is i think it's really cool in this new era of uh, disney canon to see all this like cross media stuff that they're doing like see all these tie-ins i think we talked about it with our jedi fallen order podcast too where you have characters that were in rebels and in clone wars kind of coming back um Yes, with Saw, and then now you've got you know the Dark Saber showing up in Mandalorian. So it's kind of cool. It's like they're not bashing you over the head with the connections. It's not like you know, at least in first season of Mandalorian, like it's not like you had um, you know 
really like big characters showing up out of nowhere like saying oh hey how's it going you know i'm i'm in this universe still it's not like we had anything like that really but to have those really subtle kind of tie-ins it, it really was like a really cool i think fan reward uh for folks that are really invested or have been invested in this new kind of era of canon like if you knew what that was about and you followed all of it i'm sure i can't say that i did but i'm sure for you guys that have like followed all that that was probably fucking awesome you know, because you're not expecting it. I mean, who is expecting that? Mm-hmm. Not ex- expecting it, but it is worth saying it's not a total... Like, once it happened, and, like, I, free- I flipped out, like, it was like, okay, this isn't really a surprise, because Dave Filoni is involved in the right. show. Right, as soon as I saw it, I was like, <laughs> damn you, Dave Filoni! <laughs> and he loves... He loves all of his Mandalore stuff. He loves his... Like, honestly, like, out of everything in Clone Wars, like, any time... Mandalore or Death Watch is involved, like, that's some of the show's best material, like, because you get into, like, Mandalore, you get into Death Watch, which is literally just a bunch of rebellion Mandalorians. I I will say, in that final episode, I think it was the final episode, where they show all those Mandalorians coming in and saving our young um, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, it's the final episode. That is the Death Watch. Is it? Because yes, okay. people pointed out the color schemes and everything. That is the Death Watch. I noticed it on yes. one of them, but it looked like others had different color schemes. So I'm not sure. I'd have to. Re- I have to rewatch it again, okay. really. But it's. I thought it might be. So the fact that you said it is like. Oh, I'm, I'm maybe pretty it good, is. like I've seen enough writing of people speculating. On it. I think that's the Death Watch saving him. Which is really interesting, because that's not what Death Watch does. <laughs> Like, if anything, Death Watch would side with the Empire to um, to this, hang on to this Mandalore. Is, this is pre-Empire, though. No, Din Din was uh, Din's planet was destroyed during the during Empire's reign. Then why were all those? It was separatist. Separatist or, destroy. Or, or, uh, You're right. Those were all battle droids. You're right. I did misunderstand. You're absolutely right. That is pre-Empire. That is during the Clone. It Wars. had to be just shortly before. Oh yeah. Just yeah. shortly before yes. Order 66. Very tail end. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, That's, I, I gotta rewatch it. I think it's kind of cool, um, you know, to everyone's point here. I think that's the main thing that I feel like has been a big criticism of where the films went and where a lot of this, um, you know, other media is going that I think is really refreshing for fans and what fans want to see. I think that's part of the reason The Mandalorian's been so successful. And by and large, the reception of Mandalorian has been extremely positive um, and really has been kind of something that's glued a lot of the fan base together versus uh, what we're seeing with the movies as far as kind of like the back and forth and a lot of the vitriol that people are spewing. Um, it seems like it's cool because they have the avenue now to really expand on this continuity and they can bring in all these other elements from all this different stuff, whether it's comics, whether it's you know other shows. Um, it feels like a payoff because it feels connected in a way that I feel like the movies, you know, they, they felt, especially for me with this, uh, the sequel trilogy, and I think we talked about that at length already, like, it just feels disjointed, it feels disconnected, it feels like a very small universe or a very small galaxy, whereas I think we're, what we're seeing with The Mandalorian and by extension a lot of these other shows we're talking about, Rebels, Clone Wars, etc., of the comics, it makes it feel big again, which I think is why, you know, the, those uh, limitless possibilities and these huge, you know, this huge galaxy of limitless possibilities, I think, is what, at least for me, kind of drew me to the series in the first place. So it's kind of cool to see that getting expanded again. Yeah, I've talked about this before. Uh, part of what I love about The Mandalorian is, I mean, Star Wars has such an expansive history, and even if 
people dipped into what was legends as long as they were taking piecemeal or whatever and not trying to make it like crazy things canon it's canon until it's not yeah yeah that's what i've always said there are so many planets and species and and artifacts and things that have been written already and i feel like it's a bad habit for star wars creators to keep trying to make new races and use new planets and things when there's so much untapped potential in what's already there and the mandalorian uses a lot of that in a cool way and it makes you feel connected to the larger universe like you said it makes it feel like part of a bigger picture and not just oh there's this is a new planet with this new species on it or whatever that you know looks cool and goofy and sprays blue milk out of their nipples like green milk green milk. green milk green oh man yeah you're right uh, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it's cool. Would you say that, and we're putting Baby Yoda aside, do you think that is the success of The Mandalorian as a whole? Is because it's not trying to create something new and it's kind of just... Well, it's doing its own thing. It's not yes. trying to be an accessory to any one movie. It is its own... You know, it's got its own rich history that we're dealing with. We're grappling with a post, you know, empire sort of fledgling um, uh, republic sort of coming back into power. And we're trying, we're just seeing how this affects everybody. You know, like we're still, despite all of this, Jedis are still a myth. You know, at, at the time of Return of the Jedi, there were three to four in existence four in existence roughly there was anakin uh the skywalker kids and palpatine uh that we know of i mean obviously there's canon comic books and whatnot that i haven't gotten into yet but it's it's not trying to be anything i mean it makes one passing reference to the to to jedi and all of that but other than that it's pretty much just staying its own course and it's giving us something that I had said on the last cast, something new, something fresh, something that isn't just rehashing more movie beats. I like that. I, I think that's great. I think that's that's why I like it anyway. Jason? I think for me, the biggest success of The Mandalorian, especially in comparison with the films, so the films are these, you know, you have two hours, two and a half hours to tell this story. So, Obviously, it's kind of like a, um, I feel like it's a a really top-down view, especially of the lore. So you're not really seeing the minutiae. You're not really on the ground. You don't have boots on the ground. You're not seeing how these people live in this universe. And I feel like that's a symptom of how they tell the stories in the movies because they just don't have the time really to create, you know, this deep analysis of this universe that I think we would all like to see, but it's not going to sell you know, a billion dollars worth of tickets and merchandise. So that's what's kind of cool with The Mandalorian is it finally feels like they're taking a breath. For as breathless as I think we said many times uh, that Rise of Skywalker is, this really feels like it takes the time, it, it, it breathes. You can see, you know, them walking through a marketplace. You can see the sort of lived-in kind of, um, you know, future, past vibe that we got in the original trilogy. You know that almost feels like you're getting you're getting that back again, um, but at the same time, I don't know. It, it it's it's taking more of an opportunity to tell those smaller scale stories and also kind of show the the culture of you know the galaxy far far away. I mean, it's 
sure, we have other avenues to see it, but I think generally it it's kind of fresh because this is the first time we're seeing it in like a really cool kind of gritty live action way. Not to take anything away from you know the the animated shows. Right, and <clears throat> what I'm excited about this show is episode one through three was kind of this one continuous story. It made sense, and I think Mark was it you that touched upon that said it, this is a uh, going from miniseries to is that Bill? Oh, oh yes, yes. I was going to say from it's episode. To... That was something I wanted to mention. Is yeah. that Jason? That's exactly what I think they can take advantage of in an episodic format. Is that they can have many, many seasons and explore in depth smaller almost seemingly insignificant stories you know? and, and while a lot of people said like that was the weaker episodes of this season was episode uh, four five and six oh to me i think that's great because i'm interested in where is you know ming now wen's character now because i don't think she's dead they clearly made it with that last little um was it episode four mm-hmm. so you, you see the boots walk up on her yeah. Yeah, you know, still form. I want to know where she is. Where the hell is Bill Burr's character? I'm fucking excited <laughs> to find out next season. Space mm-hmm. Jail. Yeah, uh, you give me a Bill jail. Burr episode every season, I'll be happy. Just mm. keep putting out Mandalorian. I think he's dead. I mean, they, they didn't they start firing the the station? No, that was a different station. Yeah. The prison. He's in the prison. Oh, yeah, they yeah. left him in the prison. Space yeah, Sons right. of Anarchy guy's dead. Yeah, yeah. All, all of the people <laughs> that, all the bounty hunter people in that episode are still alive in the prison. Right. They were also, they also only started firing on the fighters that were coming out. They didn't fire at the station itself. But that ship, did, that ship is a derelict, so they're going to starve to death. Yeah, <laughs> Unless maybe. somebody finds them. No, it's, also, it's still on its way to the Republic. By the way, fun fact. It was being autopiloted. That, that um, guy that was in like the control room that they like disarm and then end up killing that is the voice actor of anakin for all the seasons of the oh was it uh, yeah <laughs> I, I remember I think somebody that. said that uh, when we were watching it which is hilarious but well i mean to your point i think that you know you you could point to some of those middle season episodes as maybe you know they weren't quite as focused because that's not what they were trying to be i think when we started the the series you had this really strong arc that played out over, you know, an hour and 20 minutes or whatever. And that was a really good way. And I think looking back, a really good decision to start it that way, because right off the bat, we got invested in the Mandalorian. We kind of started learning the quote unquote way we got invested in baby Uter. You know, there is, there was a lot of, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff that they kind of brought out right out of the gate. that I thought that was really good because if you started it, with a monster of the week episode, oh, it wouldn't have worked. So that I think on on the showrunners um, part, that was very smart to start it that way because it hooked everyone. The hook was in the mouth at that point, and it was okay. I'm I'm sticking through this to the end. I hope it doesn't get bad. And luckily, it, it never did. But to that end too, I think I mentioned it on part one, and there are a lot more of those moments that we got in um, the uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth episode as well like uh we talked about the which it still sticks with me now being able to look back at the whole thing um the part with the the jawas like that you know to me there were a lot of moments like that there were a lot of moments where you know i i forget i want to say it was episode four uh that was the the star trek episode I think Ben yeah. knows what I'm talking about yeah. and that was episode four right yeah so like you know you have all those scenes where like they're in the uh um, 
it's not really like a cantina. It's like a restaurant. It's like a diner almost. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a settlement diner, you know? And, like, you just get to see that type of stuff. And I think it's cool um, when you see, you know, their village and the way they do the, you know, like the, the Seven Samurai. Like, they're prepping for the mm-hmm. Imperial Assault or the Remnant Assault. or it, No, it's not even that. It's the, uh, uh, like, like, the Slaver famous. Assault or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so cool, you know, just the way they really allow that to breathe. I keep saying that. That's kind of my main thing is just that they really allow the story to take its time. And even though the episodes are half an hour long, it still feels more, um, content-wise, it feels more substantial than some of the other stuff that we've gotten out of the, you know, the mainstream stuff in two and a half hours. Yeah. It's cool to get a glimpse of different parts of the universe um, without it literally just being a glimpse. Mm-hmm. You don't get just, oh, we stopped on this planet for, you know, we went to one building to see Maz and then left. It's like, you know, they spend a whole episode somewhere and you really get to feel the people and the environment. What I wanted to talk about was punching baby Yoda. Not okay. Unforgivable. Who cares? (laughs) Unforgivable. He's the, le- he's the least interesting character in the whole show. No, he's Yodi. He's got, he's got the infinite potential. That, that was a little uter. That was a... Uh, yeah, that was a Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. All that matters to me in that scene mm-hmm. were, was the two stormtroopers who saw the can on the ground oh or whatever God. and pull out the guns and just start shooting at it. And they keep yeah. missing. Do, do you think, that was, do you well, think that was ad-libbed by... Uh, uh, I'm sorry... Do you think that's ad-libbed by Watiti, or do you think that was ad-libbed by um, the scene, Sudeikis? And... The scene, whole scene felt improv That's right. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Do you it think was. that was Watiti, though, or do you think that was the actors doing I that? think Taika Watiti was like, oh my god, there's too much substance in this episode. How do I add needless comedy? And then he like threw that in there, and it worked, thankfully. But uh, I mean, that that's is his strong suit, though. Well, no, absolutely. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I, I, I keep getting it mixed up, but is the droid, is it IG-11? It is 11, okay. Yeah, 88 That's what I is the bounty hunter, 11 is the... Okay. No, no, other way around. No, no 88 is the bounty hunter. hunter. 11, 11 is, is also a bounty, bounty hunter. Okay. Well, he was, but he became a nanny droid. And then became dead. Okay. I, <laughs> so I had it right. So uh, I that scene killed me because... Well, there's two things I want to say about that scene. The first thing is it killed me because... You know, to Ben's point, they show them, like, doing target practice at, like, the space cans or whatever they're shooting at. Space but, cans. But what killed me is that when IG-11 comes out and they, like, they're going to battle, Jason Sudeikis' stormtrooper is literally three feet away from IG-11 and pulls the trigger and misses. So I, I don't know if you guys caught that, but that. it was hilarious because there's no way you could miss. He's point blank. And he shoots and completely misses. And I knew that that was, you know, an intentional, and it was absolutely hilarious. It's perfect. I, I was squealing you, you know and laughter when that happened. That last episode, right? Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So that was the first thing. The second thing I would say about that: John Favreau is a smart guy. He had to know the sort of cultural impact this was going to have, and the sort of cultural symbol that baby Yoda Uter would become. So that's what makes that scene all the more impressive to me is because it's it's hilarious. It's like, oh, here's this thing that's become, you know, this pop culture icon in just a few short months. And you've got, you know, a character that's got in the bag, oh, let me see it, let me see it. And then, you know, punching it in the head like 
it's hilarious. It's because what else could you do? It's totally subverting that where it's like you know, I what was it afterwards too? I mean, it kind of just in a funny way, but like. I don't know if it was a joke or not, but like Jason Sudeikis was getting like death threats after that because he punched <laughs> Baby Yoda, like I that type of I shit. Like that's hilarious. Yeah, sure. but I mean, I'm even sure. even just the idea that I would believe it, mm-hmm. I would believe mm-hmm. that people out there would make death threats to him because he punched a puppet in a you know messenger bag. <laughs> like it's it's hilarious. But I, I I thought that scene killed me. That was probably one of the the funniest yeah. scenes in the whole series. You mentioned Favreau. I think he understands what he was doing the entire time. I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, I'm sure you want to, Ben, you'd probably credit it more to Feige more than him, but I think he really spawned the MCU. Oh, absolutely, Favreau did. I, I, I would, I like, Feige's, Feige carried it on, but Favreau is the reason we have the MCU. Yeah, I, I think he didn't have the vision that, Feige did, but he definitely created the pace. No, he talks. He he's talked about before how he had conversations with with Feige about how like if this is all done right, it could go on for decades. And he he was very much in that camp of like we can really make something here. It just has to be good. Do you think that's what he's doing right now with the Mandalorian? You know, I don't think so because I think this is just a continuation of something that already existed. I think that the Clone Wars and this is a sequel to Rebels. Like, we just aren't getting an animated series. We're getting a live-action series now. Yeah. Like, cl- think about it. Like, Clone Wars takes place in the Clone Wars. Rebels takes place during Empire. This is takes pl- taking place... the next one, but it's, it's the next action. one. And yeah. it, it makes sense. I mean, the, the sheer fact that the Darksaber showed up just goes to show that it's a sequel to, that, to those series. So I don't think it's starting anything. I think Clone Wars started it. I think this is just continuing it. And it goes... It's even further back at my point is... This has been in the works since Clone Wars came out, since back when Lucas was owning the place. I don't know if it was always Mandalorian, but Favreau has been working on a live-action Star Wars show for years. Well, I knew there was a live-action Star Wars show that um, the main producers were going to be Lucas and... uh, Who did the prequel trilogy? Lucas. No, no, no. the, The producer of it. Oh, fuck. Lucas. George Pucus. George Tukas. Pachukas. Rick McCollum. I remember John Favreau was working on it, though. I, I remember his name was attached to it so at some the, point. The only names that I got for that was George Lucas and Rick McCollum. Um, McCollum, McCollum, however you say it. Morales. I'm pretty sure he did, the, he did the, <laughs> se- uh, the prequel trilogy. He also did... I, I think he was involved as early back oh, in of the Jedi. I remember Rick and McCollum. It, and it was his name was they go way back with a uh, oh, live action TV old slick show. Rick. And Lucas and him wanted to make a Star Wars series live action, but they couldn't because they said each episode would almost cost as much as a movie, and so it was not profitable enough to make it for television. So they decided not to do it. No, there was one back when Clone Wars was coming out. That was that back was, before TV was spending that much on right. episodes. It was back when Clone Wars was coming out. It was in development. I remember it like being talked about being on TNT at the mm-hmm. time because yeah. like, TNT seemed like the kind of channel that could do it at that point in time. And nothing ever came of it because I do remember it being related to budget concerns were, were a big issue. But uh, and we have it now. And whether whether it was going to be this or it is now, you know, mm-hmm. we are firmly in the era of sixty-five billion-dollar episodes. 
I don't think that's right, but... I don't know. I guess you didn't I, watch uh, Game of Thrones. I, I don't think that's right, but I don't know enough about TV budgets to say. <laughs> I, I, I know enough. I don't think that's right. <laughs> Isn't your name Billy Budgetson? I think so. Agree to disagree. Little Billy, Billy Budgetson. Billy Barvis. Well, I mean, Can we talk about Rick McCollum, by the way? Tricky Dick Rick? Yeah, what about him? He's a cool guy. He was cool. I remember watching a lot of like uh, behind-the-scenes stuff with like the prequels. And like I'd always be like, who is this dude? Like as a kid, and just be like that's that's the only reason anybody knows him. <laughs> no, yeah, just like watching behind the scenes featurettes and him being on the set. I remember there was a scene on the set of Tatooine, and it was like while they were like doing the documentary, like a sandstorm rolled in and like wrecked the entire set, and you could see him like running around like grabbing stuff. And I just uh, thought grabbing yeah, umbrellas. Fun, fun fact: I actually just looked it up. He retired once Disney. Act- Acquired Lucasfilm. So did George. I would too. Eight hundred well, billion yeah, dollars looks good to anyone. Yeah, he probably got a huge payout at that point. I'm sure. <laughs> I feel like that number keeps going up. Eight hundred billion. Yeah, ten hundred trillion. It is ten hundred trillion. I think it was yeah. One hundred trillion, jillion. How about a little billion? He's Doctor Dollars. <laughs> George, we'll give you ten hundred trillion for the rights to Jar Jar. <laughs> Jar Jar You'd the, sign that check, too. Jar Jar is the key to everything. Wait, isn't Disney Plus actually coming out with a live-action like game show with the host? With the, <laughs> the host is Jar Jar. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's hosting it. I love it because it's like this dude has had like such a rough time since episode one. and yeah, I just, I just want something good. Let him have him. his moment. You so welcome I'm, I'm to The Price is Right. <laughs> no, it's, a, uh, it's like a Legends of the Hidden Temple type show. Oh, fuck. Oh, I love that. Awesome. And, but it's like Legends of the Jedi Temple. That's one. Does he have yes. like the uh, like the Jar Jar like, headgear on that he wore like when he's doing <laughs> mocap so, on set? I'm sure he doesn't, but I hope he does. They grafted a duck bill onto him. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a man who openly talks about how his ridicule almost led him to kill himself... Oh, I don't wow. know. Except you never graf- heard of that? They grafted on no. his forehead. Oh, I did. Back when, back when all of the uh, Kelly Marie Tran hate was happening and people were like attacking her on Instagram and shit. Was happening? There's no god. Yeah, I mean, There's still, still is, but it's not as heated anymore because she's removed herself entirely from social media. Right. But uh, Ahmed Best came out and he he is like he's like this isn't the first time this has happened. I nearly killed myself over people harassing me about Jar Jar. So, and it's like, like and he's like, guess what? I didn't even make the character, so like I don't know why you're upset with me. I just acted it, but Star Pe- Wars fans, Star this Wars is, fans are listen, the scum we, of the earth. We we cannot hate on them any further. We already know when, that they are. The- this is our last Star Wars episode. When am I going to hate on Star Wars fans? When was Fox there? A, when was there a Zabrak uh, or a, uh, Zabrak. Zabrak fighter on an episode seven? <coughs> uh, I, I remember, remember seeing that. him. Um, and I remember going, oh, hey, Zabrak. Uh, Luki Zalbar? What was episode seven? Remind me. Oh, it was, they, he came back. Yeah. To. It was when he came back into the town. But I don't think that's when he fought one. I think it was like when he was picking up Gina Carano on that one planet. Oh. That might have been When they were doing that, like, belt-tied fighting. Yeah, no, that's exactly that what it was. It. Yep, yeah, that's that the that's yeah. the Zabrak fight. Yep. Nice. That was it. Good callback, me. And then Duel of the Fates <laughs> started. Which, if uh, if that's we follow the started. speculation properly, boys and girls, episode or season two of the Mandalorian, we're gonna get another Zabrak back. It was racist towards Zabraks. I need to talk uh, about that. They're they're saying that uh, was it Ray Park 
Ray Parks. Yeah. Ray Parker. Well, okay, Jr. he's going to be back reprising his role in uh, the next season of Mandalorian. Number one. Well, that wouldn't make any he, damn sense. He's way too though. fucking old at this point. Not not Ray Park, but Darth Maul uh-huh. is way too fucking old at this point. It's a galaxy far, far away. Who's he'd be, counting? He'd be dead at that point, wouldn't he? Well, well we all know he's going to die in the Obi-Wan series, I, right? He's he's in Rebels, he, and I don't know what happens to him, so I don't want to say anything because I, I know I'm like... I know he's in Rebels, and I don't know what happens. Oh, wow, so maybe I know what's so, going on and no one else does. Ooh. So never mind, I won't say anything. Okay. But he's not going to be in Mandalorian season two. <laughs> but regardless, he's filming for Obi Wan. Huh? Yeah, yeah. He's yep. Probably filming for Obi Wan then. He could be for sure he's back in the, in the makeup doing his thing. So regardless, I have seen plenty of reports that say that there are Skywalker saga characters that will be appearing in Mandalorian Ooh. season two, which Ooh. which leads to a lot of speculation Ooh. that the one looking for Baby Yoda is Palpatine. Boo! I can see Disney doing that. They got to double down. <sighs> That would be stupid. I mean... I hope oh, they don't go boom. that route. He's here now. We might as well use him. We might as well put him to work. Oh, God. No, Maybe they'll get boom. Mini Driver in on the show. <laughs> Who? Adam Mini, Driver. You want Mini oh. Driver on there? Who doesn't? We can get her. He's I mean. too young. Can we Like, get that's her? the thing. Like, we know it can't be Luke. We know it can't be Leia. We know it can't be... Palps. Han. It's gonna be Palps. So, yeah, it has to be Palpatine. It has to be. Or Hayden Christensen. Or Boba. They could bring Boba in. Okay, so here's the thing. Who who was it that picked up um what that that approached that uh bounty hunter's body at the end or the Dark Saber's body? Blowers, Moff Gideon. 100% Moff Gideon. Are you sure? 100p. Cuz I hear a lot so I and this I, I agree is, with you. Actually. This is baffling me because I don't agree with point? it. I want to preface this. But I I don't I don't I don't want to I want to preface that I don't agree with it, but people have been saying Boba and it's I because it's on Tatooine. No, no, no. Ew, stop. I'm just saying. A lot of people seem convinced it's Boba, so he's been living as a moisture farmer <laughs> yep. since the uh the Jabba incident. Yeah, under the name of Lars. There there is <laughs> it's a It's not a lot of money, but it's an honest living. I think Colin and I are the only ones who in this group who have read the Aftermath trilogy. Yes. Um that is new canon. And there is a like a kind of side story where Someone buys what is presumed to be Boba Fett's armor on Tatooine, on Tatooine, and then makes himself like a sheriff of Tatooine and starts. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. So I don't know if that's if he's dead or if he just abandoned his armor to get out of the Sarlacc pit or what. What exactly happened? But that's that's what I feel like they were alluding to. So I don't know. Boba survived in Legends. He did. Why can't he survive here? I'd love to see him survive. It's just a Sarlacc. Because now, you, because now you have Pedro Pascal. Why do you need Boba Fett? I mean, to fight? Let them fight. I think <laughs> if they that brought cool. Boba Fett back in, that would be a, like a huge piece of fan service. And, but it would it would actually make sense, unlike some other shit you know, that we've seen recently. Palpatine. I think it would make sense <laughs> if they went that route. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing Like I like about The Mandalorian so far is that Unlike the sequel trilogy, so far this seems like it has the strength of its convictions and it has a, a, like a certain belief in its story where it hasn't really relied on these legacy characters. It hasn't found the need to bring them in. I mean, yeah, sh- certainly, I think we all can agree, it's capitalizing on the greater you know, culture at large's familiarity with like a Yoda 
So, like, the whole Baby Yoda thing, well, that's not his name, and we know he's not Baby Yoda. What is he? We don't know, but everyone calls him Baby Yoda. So there's a certain familiarity there, I think, with the content that, like, lends itself to that. And they certainly knew that, and they leaned on that heavy. But the characters are new, and I think that's that's cool. So if they do in Season 2, and I know we're speculating now, but in Season 2, if they bring in characters we know, I just hope it's done tastefully. I hope it doesn't become, like, Palpatine's the big bad or he's chasing them down. Like, I thought it was really cool because ultimately, like, you know, we I, I think we, when we speculated after the first few episodes, we thought Werner Herzog's character was going to be a bigger deal. He ended up not being. He was... Sorry, he's clearing out his book lungs. He he ended up being cannon fodder for the the space minigun cannon, but at the same time, um, really cool character, interesting character, and same thing with um, Giancarlo Esposito's character. He chewed up every scene he was in. Awesome. I mean, that was great to me. Holy shit! If Rise of Skywalker could have found a villain that had you know the 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 screen presence. That his character did in what, fucking half an hour well, worth. They you know, did, like, and then they made him a good guy. Well, yeah, yeah, you know. So prop I, departments hate him. Meet the one man who chews the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I wanted to, I wanted to say um, on that first half of this with the first Mandalorian episode, we uh, we talked about this big bad situation, and I said I didn't think Werner Herzog was the big bad, and then Ben said that he thinks. Werner Herzog was the big bad. I'm sorry, I expected good storytelling. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> what? He's got f- other things to do. What he's Werner f- no, fucking Herzog. No, he doesn't. Herzog. He's retired. They can't what a fucking. He has to do Grizzly Man too. What a fucking be. bummer. Dude. A fucking huge and massive Dude. bummer. I don't care that they killed him. I don't care that they killed him. I care that they killed him ghost. in such an unceremonious... He better be. I don't. I care that they killed him in such an unceremonious way. Like, he's like, oh, I'm at a bar. Oh, I got shot with a space gun. Like, that's it. That's all it was. Like, he probably asked for it. Well, Ben, to be honest... Because how he was dressed. Would ben, you respect his decision if he had asked the creators to kill yeah, him off? Ben, ben, at the end of the if at you the can end prove of the first it, series, yes. I'll what? call him up. TV production is a complicated profession. <laughs> Look, yeah, he well, did. <laughs> you have to give him credit. He had the best line in the whole series so far. Oh, I want I to see like, the baby. Let me see the baby. <laughs> I would like to see the baby. No, I this saw. Is, I saw the. Like, same. same. I saw. Same. I saw that meme before I saw the episode. Yeah, same. And I said, "There's no fucking way." He says, "Let me see the baby in the episode." And when he does, it was the same thing. I squealed. I died. It was hilarious. Like this is a dude who. He's not dead. He'll be back. This is a dude who cried upon viewing the child. This is a dude who called the special effects department cowards because they tried to justify using CGI for Baby Yoda. Like, and then you kill him like that. He should be the star. He probably wanted that ending. Werner Herzog may be one of the greatest filmmakers of our or any generation, but at the end of the day, he is just an old German man who who loves, listen, who loves a cute puppet. And you would cry, too, if you were on set with Baby Uter. No, I don't say you would. I'm not judging him for it. I'm saying, like, like, he... He gave so much of himself to this production, and just to kill him like that is just so so ungratifying. Can I just turn this into the Herzog uh, 
podcast. Um, I really love him. I really, really love him. He has a very strange passion for everything he does. It's just, that's the only way I can say it. It's a, it's a very unique, strange passion. Like, I don't know if you heard the story or read online about, um, when they were, he was like with a bunch of documentarians and they were talking about how they're supposed to be flies on the wall and, you know, they're just supposed to observe and they can't, you know, they couldn't even save a life because they were just supposed to observe. And then Werner Herzog comes out of nowhere and he's like, no, we set the fires. <laughs> no, just yeah. like, we make it interesting. <laughs> and everybody was and just appalled. I, I think there's a story about him pulling a gun on someone on set once. Like, I forget. I don't know the details. But I, I watched a video of him getting shot. I'm sure the dude's a wild. He got like shot, like like he was conducting an interview somewhere, and he got shot with a BB gun, but it drew blood. Mm. Oh, got it. When you say shot, I feel like that was very. Misleading. It penetrated his body, so I mean, he's that is a shot. it is serious. Mm. <clears throat> I think he caught the bullet or something. <laughs> caught in Threw his it teeth. back at the assassin. Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> It was in California, so it was probably some punk. Now, the show was definitely richer with his involvement, I will say that. Yeah, I do agree. I think that was um, poor choice to let him go that that easily. Additionally, sorry, are we off Warner? No. His, his, twin, <laughs> his twin brother will show up. It'll be more complicated. Oh my god, that would be so good. Werner Herzog shows up. Werner. Bartending is a complicated <laughs> profession. <laughs> what can I get for you? I would like to see the baby. I would like to see your Republic credits. <laughs> no shoes, no shirts, no service. Uh, <laughs> by the way, let me see the baby. Is that a baby? I would, I would like, like to see the I baby. Like I have a free cup of the bone broth for the baby if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting more and more Euro trash. Would, would the baby like a lolly? Would the baby like a cigarette? <laughs> I don't know what a European cigarette right, that's brand is. Doofenwaffen. Okay. Does anyone else have anything yeah. they want to say here? I did want to also say that one of my big disappointments in the end of it all was how how we're progressing now with with going into season two with the child i will kind of hoped number one that like everything with the child would be resolved by the end of this you know i hope that like we aren't gonna go fucking back there but we are like the show is the show should be called the child and not the mandalorian i get it but so he has two options to at the end of this he's talking to um what's her name help me Sierra Macaro. Cara Dune. No. Cara Dune? No, his, Cara Dune's his, an uh, his, his Mandalorian mom. Oh, I don't know that. The, the Forge Master. Yeah, the armor. Yeah, yeah the yeah. armor, yeah. Uh, something like that. He's and, talking and to her. Swallow. And, he, and she's like, yo, this is your foundling now. Take care of him. And I'm like, cool, awesome. And he goes, he goes, yeah, okay, uh, I'm going to need, what did he say, he needs armor for him or something? I don't know, something stupid. Mm-hmm. And she goes, no, he, you can't train him as a Mandalorian, he's too weak. And I'm like, why? Like, he's made it very clear he can, he can handle himself at this point. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, he's too weak, he'll die. I'm like, okay, that's a very strange thing to say, so, like, now what? She's like, as a foundling, you have to return him to where he came from. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, Din Jaren's not going to live long enough to see the... 
baby trained to his fruition. Like mm-hmm. he's like Din's got another 40, 50 years on him tops. The baby's supposedly is going to live to at least 400. Sure. If you follow, you know, uh, Yodinian uh, physiolo- physiology. Yoda lived till 900, so I, I, I like to think he's a bit, little bit, bit longer than that. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I don't know. Sure. I never saw Star Wars before. That's all fine, but what like, are we talking about here? where does this lead us now? Like, are we going to see more Yodas? I have a laundry list of things that I would like to see. I, is this, oh, no, so, it's not I, this yet. So no, not I yet. think, I think, I'm sorry, I think, no, we're not going to see more Yodas. He's going to show up to the planet where the Yodas are supposed to be, and they're all fucking dead. They're all gone. Of course. Yep. That just, is what's like, going to happen. The planet no, Yodas. I would hope so, but, like, I think <laughs> even just, like, seeking it out is just, like, such a... The planet yogurt. Why? Why do we care? <laughs> just, there's just one. There's just one Yoda with a white beater on. Sponsored by. <laughs> just like, hey, I'm John Yoda. A real point. He killed my whole family. <laughs> sponsored by Chobani. So I was gonna say sponsored by Yoplay. <laughs> Merchandising. The planet Chobani. Oh God. <laughs> Welcome to Chobani, a paradise. <laughs> strawberry. I don't know. I yeah. I personally think there can only be one gender master vodka. <laughs> That's just me, though. <laughs> um, I just I don't want to. I don't want to go down this road. I don't care about the child. I Yo. care about the Mandalorian, and I want to see more of him so and his story. You don't think they're gonna, they're gonna wrap up? this Yoda story within the first couple episodes and then just move No, on. I think this is the series. I think the series is him seeking out a home for this child. Okay. He's going to get a little motorcycle sidecar. <laughs> and I think, you know, along <laughs> the way... size goggles. I think along the way he's going to find out that the baby Yoda is the friends he made along the journey. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> At the, I, I don't care about this stupid thing. I don't. Like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, he's cute. Yeah, he's really cute, and I get it. Like, he is cute. So you didn't pre-order the Yodi doll? No, I don't spend money. Um, on, <laughs> not, not on things that, not on things I enjoy. I spend money on stupid shit like podcasts. Ugh. <laughs> Podcasting Gross. equipment. Well. Podcast Patreons. I didn't want to go here yet, but in terms of speculating... I will say that I don't think they're going to go to yogurt to find, you know, <laughs> find his family. I don't think they're going to do that. They're not going to go to Yo Mama. I think it's going to very much be in the vein of what we've seen already, but I think they're going to bring in different elements of things that are more familiar. I think they're going to bring in, you know, the hunt for some sort of remnant Red of... Red October. Yeah, the remnant of the Jedi Order, you know, because I think that's, that's what they're going towards. I don't think they're training... Baby Yoda to be a Mandalorian. I think it's Baby Yoda is he's a force sensitive. He you know they're they're gonna seek out some sort of remnant there. Well, here, and sorry, I need to interrupt because here's the problem with that: the Jedi that he would go look for is Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. So or dead? How? <laughs> what? Where? Why? Well, I don't. Care. I don't like, but the thing if, is, what if he's looking for uh, Cameron Monaghan? I mean, if if Cal Kestis shows up in the show, I won't be mad. But that would actually be a really cool angle that yeah. I didn't think of. But I I just feel like I don't have the answer, and I think it's we can't really speculate right now. But I think that's going to be what at least the main storyline focus of season two and any subsequent seasons is. I also think you're going to dive deeper into 
the Mandalorians kind of past his backstory. And I think the angle they're going to play, and this is just me saying it right here, he is either the rightful heir or will become the heir of the Darksaber. I think you will see our Mandalorian character with that in his possession, if not next season, at some point before the show's over. That is my thought, because it's too perfect. I don't know if no. next season is... I think that's too soon. I think he's going to get it... That might be like serious. Oh, at some point, but I think it will end up with it in his possession at some point. No, I disagree hard on that one. I think we're going to meet another Mandalorian at some point, perhaps a Vizsla, um, that will that will become a companion and a friend of his. We'll see. And because that's not cowboy. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's not Western for, like, the hero to be, like, to get everything he wants at the end of the day. Like, he's... I don't think he he's wants going, it, though. He may fight for it and he may win, but he may die in the process or something of that nature and pass it on to someone who could... Who could handle it? But I don't think he gets it because he wants it or is going after it. I think he gets it maybe because he's protecting the child. Maybe it's some sort of, you know, battle that takes place. I don't think he has the hubris to say, I'm the rightful heir of the Darksaber and I'm going to take it. But I do think he takes possession of it. Sure, he's going to fight way. with it. He's just not going to take they, Mandalore. I'm right. They've set it up this whole season is he's worthy of so much, but he denies it. This is your sigil now. Oh, I didn't deserve it. That baby helped me out. I don't get that sigil. You know, like, shit like that. Like, By the way, what was his sigil at the end? I couldn't figure it out. It's the Mudhorn. Yeah. Was it still the Mudhorn? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. yeah. Clan of Two. Yeah! Clan Army of, of two. two. I'm sorry, it's his baby. That's his, yep. that's his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's literally his son now. Like, <laughs> she, she forced him into an adoption, so. He's going to be driving through Mc, Space McDonald's. <laughs> order one black space coffee <laughs> um <laughs> get, get going through going through burger king so they can get the fucking chicken fingers chicken nuggies. <laughs> the, the chicken fries or whatever the chicken nuggies chicken oh, nuggies and a chalky fries? milk oh god oh chicken god. Wait, you get the luke skywalker action figure like you wanted blue chalky milk <laughs> um the last point i had about the mandalorian and as i think fathers. we may all agree it sounds like we all do I loved it. I, I like the Mandalorian. I those eight episodes to me, I enjoyed more than Rise of Skywalker personally. Oh, one hundred percent. And it sounds like I, I think the general consensus is that the the fan base did too. Whether that means anything, because I know we've spoken at length about the fan base for Star Wars, whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, whatever. But I really enjoyed it. Um, I guess the last thing I wanted to bring up was just that last episode. Just how damn good. That last episode was. I know we've talked about a few different story beats in it so far. We talked about certainly that stormtrooper scene, and we've talked about a few different things. But like, just holy shit! I thought you know it was kind of slowly building to this kind of you know I want to say like reveal, but this you know climax. And I feel like in that episode we got it. Both kind of the sacrifices we saw, um, the fact he took his helmet off. And the thing that was so cool is it was so nonchalant. Yeah. It, it wasn't a huge deal in well, the scene. I, I it loved was, how uncomfortable he looked during yeah. the whole thing, and I was back on continue. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. It wasn't a big deal. It was, oh, well, I'm not a living thing. So he took the helmet off. wasn't a big deal. They didn't, like, you know, play the, like, you know, uh, the, the godly, like, heavenly music. Like, oh, he took the helmet off. It was just a scene. And then the helmet went right back on, and he went right back to it. Well, there's a big spoiler for that, if you know what Pedro Pascal looks like. 
That's it. <laughs> wow! It's it's not yeah. It's not really a shock if you already know what the guy looks like. Yeah, I was I was just waiting sweatier for, and bloodier. I was waiting for uh, Pablo Escobar to pop out at any moment. <laughs> Similar name, sure. He was in Narcos. I think was the joke. Yeah, yeah. Donnie Narco. Yeah, Donnie Narco. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> um, that's but so I, I I thought that was really cool. I really liked uh, the. Um, character progression for uh ig11 like i thought like just overall that whole scene where he he pulls the uh, terminator 2 and goes in the lava river and sacrifices himself Uh, was mm. great i thought that was really cool um i thought something we mentioned in the first part of this uh you know mandalorian cast a few weeks ago that i thought was kind of notable here the environmental like acting or like the physical acting, especially like Pedro Pascal did, in that scene where you know uh, IG Eleven's ready to sacrifice himself, and you can tell Pedro Pascal is like he's upset about it. Yeah, like, which is weird. Don't do it. You know, like oh, I thought it was great. Like I thought that was that was really cool. Um, and I thought you know it was just another example of him kind of selling that character underneath the helmet. Oh. He created an intimate relationship with that robot. That robot saw him with the helmet off. I think that's what it was. And that robot an saved his yeah. life, well, no, despite all these other him. robots trying to kill him. Saw him with the helmet off, saved him. That is, in, that is instantly an intimate moment. I well, mean, but that's fine. But if and... we if we ever kind of, I guess I don't know. That, that the whole the whole relationship fell flat for me. But I didn't care enough to he's dead to dock now. It. Yeah, exactly. Like I was like, okay, he's gone. Robot and dead. So, goodbye. And that was one, that. I was episode like, one, season two, when we see Pedro Pascal getting a IG eleven <laughs> tattoo, on you're gonna scoff at that point. I won't. I won't. No, like that's the thing. Like I won't even care enough to scoff. I'll just be like, okay, <laughs> like that's fine. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I thought it was a cool arc. Yeah, I don't I, think they oversold it. He wasn't like diving off the front of the boat. Like, no, don't do it. He no, they like, undersold it. I think it was. The right amount of like, you don't you don't have to kill yourself though. Like, it's just that little bit of like. Well, no, I love no, the. But he does. I love the. Uh, oh, don't be sad. He's like, I'm not sad. It's like I'm detecting sadness in your voice. Like, <laughs> well, I think at that I moment, I appreciated that because the Mando's still trying to hold up to his. Uh, and and you can tell Mandalorian's character here. obviously cares about the child at this point, and I think that was the big thing that you know he was very leery. They've established in the series. That he was very leery of droids just in general. And that was kind of the ultimate payoff for that because not only did the droids save his life, but he was really leery of IG 11 because, you know, he's thinking, okay, this thing's going to turn on me and the child any moment. And at that point, his directive is to protect the child. So the fact that now he, the droid, I guess, in its way, um, non living way, is going to sacrifice what, I guess, life, quote unquote, it does have to protect what. The Mandalorian is, you know, most valued at this point. I think that was like a big moment for them. So I don't know. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. And then that whole ending sequence with the uh, the Tie Fighter and you know the uh, the jetpack, um, which what, what do they call it in those like the Rising Phoenix yeah. or something yeah. like that, yeah. was just awesome. What a cool payoff. I mean, I, I love that. So I I don't know. I thought that last episode really was the epitome of kind of going out with a bang. And I think mm-hmm. good for it that it cemented itself as you know it started really strong it had some really cool kind of story beats in the middle and then it ended super strong so i think coming into season two now the sky's the limit i think they can do a lot of cool things i hope they do but we shall see we shall see 
Does anyone else have anything yeah. they want to add before we? Okay. I'd say my my final impressions were, I was <clears throat> very impressed with the use of the Star Wars universe. Um, I think that they played in it well, while also creating new stories that drew off of old material and kind of old um, uh, gimmicks in a way, like film gimmicks. In I th I thought it was really interesting. Um, I also I love the pacing of the show. Um, I feel like I've seen too many shows recently that have had good content or good writing in general, but the pacing of the story they were trying to tell was just off. Uh, too fast or... Well, I mean, too fast. I, I don't think I've seen any content recently that's taken too long to get to the point. Uh, all, especially sci-fi or fantasy as of late has, I feel like, been really rushed in a weird way. So I was glad they kind of took their time with this show. I agree. Mark started us off, I guess. <laughs> well, you, well here's what I want. It's not good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. It's good Star Wars, bad oh, yeah, Star that's right. Wars. That's what we're doing. We're going we're gonna to finish it with a bang. That's a good way to do it. So Mark started us off with good Star Wars, bad Star Wars. What do you think, bud? Oh, yeah, good Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it was... I think it was great Star Wars. Um, I never wanted someone to explore the minutiae more than I thought they would with this. Like, this was perfect. The way that the uh, first episode started off with him in the uh, the bar and a little shootout and all that little shit, all the way to the, uh, the final scene in the final episode. I loved it. It was like watching the Clone Wars with live action. What it felt like to me, so... I would say great Star Wars. Bill? Okay. I think it's uh yeah, it's good Star Wars. I like it. It makes me feel like I'm in the Star Wars universe. I um I think that uh the Mandalorian himself, I expected the character to be a lot flatter than a he wound up being. He wound up being really dynamic, he wound up changing quite a bit throughout the season, which is nice to see. Um, you see a lot of flat characters sometimes in sci fi, so it's good to see uh, a dynamic character come out. Um, so as storytelling wise, I liked it a lot. Um, I like how episodic it was, but I also love just the feeling. I don't know. The feeling of the show was good. So good Star Wars. Good mouthfeel. It was a good mouthfeel. I've got a, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great Star Wars. I thought it was great sci-fi. I know you guys have a different opinion about that. Um, I do have a laundry list of things I would like to see. Number one, uh, Mandalorian Wookiees. Number two, tall baby Yoda. I feel like you're not taking Not older, time. but, you know, just <laughs> tall. Just tall. Just like long, just like long neck. Just kinda. like legs hanging long out. Long baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, in all, in all honesty, I really did. Um, I really did love this uh, show. I'm really looking forward to what they uh, continue to do. It's got me interested in, you know, the, the deeper lore, you know, the Rebels, the um, Clone Wars uh, cartoons. Um, kind of want to see what that's. I've, I've, you know, also been looking at um, the. Uh, I've also been watching like Star Wars Explained, like YouTube. Uh, you know, this has been like we're we're ending. You know, this is the the culmination of a uh, what we're calling Star Wars Month, but has really been like almost two months yeah. of yeah. straight Star Wars content. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a lot. 
and it, it's just sort of pervading my life. I'm, I'm actually looking forward a little bit to getting towards do, like doing something that isn't Star Wars. For oh, a while. I, I want 100%. more ex machinas. That's what I want. I want more yes. ex machinas. Yes. I want less um, Star Wars in general. Uh, but that having that having having said that, uh, I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to it. Um, good Star Wars. Good Star Wars. I've enjoyed it. I like Miller said it's got me interested in EU stuff again in the same way Jedi Fallen Order did. So I'm happy to be excited about Star Wars again. I do think that the one downside about it is like because it's good, it's like like someone said earlier that it's liked by Star Wars fans and I hate that. I hate that they can like something and that I can like something. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, no. they, they, like, it makes me feel like I'm on their level, and I know I'm not. I know I'm better than them. So I, this is our last episode, guys. Just, I'm just using watch, my good side, good Star Wars to shit on Star just Wars. Just watch Star Trek with me, man. I will. No, I do just want do to. <laughs> I do. I feel like Star Trek fans are better in every way. I nope. feel like they're more positive and Some of them are. You know, I'm just using, you know, once again, I'm shitting on Star Wars fans. Gotcha. You all suck. You've made yeah. Star Wars a living hell for me the past four years. I want you to know you got to me. You did win, so congrats on that. But I truly hope that every Star Wars movie features Kelly Marie Tran at this point from here on out in a starring role. Main just, yeah. just, just to piss you off because uh, you're trash people and you deserve to burn in hell. Uh, Peace out, 2020 bitches. I just, I just wanted to. Um, does. I just wanted to add a little disclaimer that uh, Ben's feelings on the Star Wars fandom. Uh, does not reflect Jarvis Media Company or its uh, or its affiliates. That's Jarvis not, Media, that's not a thing. Jarvis Media Company is not a thing, and I produce this show, bitches. <laughs> Here at Sci-Fi Cross Section, we say fuck Star Wars fans. But uh, no, he made it back just in time. Your good Star Wars, bad Star Wars. Oh, well. Uh, I mean, I've talked at length about it, so I you guys know how I feel. Uh, I don't want to be too long-winded tonight, so. I mean, generally, I think this was great Star Wars. In my opinion, it's properties like this or, you know, just creative projects like this that really kind of spell the future of Star Wars on screen. You know, I mean, obviously there's, um, and, and I'm not a big follower of this, but I know, like, Ben has talked it up um, multitudes here as we've done kind of our Star Wars month. Um, but, like, the comics and books and, you know, that type of thing... Um, Obviously, there's a lot of cool stories that are being told there. But generally, as far as Star Wars on screen, I mean, I know we're getting more animated stories, um, and that's not to... I think the quality's gotten to a point where it's not to downplay that. I think those stories are just as valid as any of these other stories we're seeing. But as far as live-action Star Wars, at least with what we can say we've seen in the last, you know, five years, I think this is... This is going to be cheesy as shit, but this is the way. You know, this is the way forward. <laughs> I feel like this this is where we can really see some new stories being told and kind of explore the universe more um, than what we've been getting with the films. Not the films haven't been fun or entertaining or whatever, but this is where we can really, I feel like, get in the nitty-gritty, and I feel like that's one of the benefits of streaming platforms as a whole is that I think that allows the platform for this type of content to dive a little bit deeper because there's not quite the, you know, commercial considerations or, like, the emphasis placed on that that we're going to see on, like, a big network TV show. So, no, great Star Wars. Really excited for the future. Can't wait. Um, I think generally between that and some other shows that have come out this year, the future looks bright for a lot of these properties. So definitely excited about it. 
Well, there you have it, folks. That is our take on The Mandalorian Season 1. I can't wait for us to talk about Season 2. Um, I can. You can wait? I can wait. Okay. Well, we got plenty of content between then, so... <clears throat> Next week. Next week we are covering... Is it under... The new film, Underwater. Underwater? That's what we're yes. covering? Okay. Starring Kristen Stewart and... Someone else. Sounds like a fucking blockbuster. Is All that right. about the Gungans? Yes. We're still in Star Wars, it's right? About, it's <laughs> actually... We can't escape Star Wars. Kathleen, you got me again. Can't escape Star Wars. Everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast um, site that you listen to us on, but preferably give us a review on that motherfucking apple podcast so ring that bell i think is what they're supposed to say no yes. that's youtube ring ring my bell smash that subscribe button the one no, that's uh, not not on just the reviews ring like and bell. subscribe that's all Fucking i can leave a comment I down below no okay yeah uh everyone until next time